Hey everybody and welcome to the last Momentum Online of the year. You guys, we're going to do something a little bit different. First, let me welcome everyone. Welcome to all of you here in the San Diego area. We love you guys. We're hoping you are getting through this cold winter. Just kidding. Also, welcome to people joining in Idaho and Kentucky and Illinois and Indiana and other places where winter is actually a real thing. We love you guys. Again, it's going to be a little different today, guys. We're going to be quick. And my heart and my hope is to just share the good news that is found in Jesus this season. And I want to invite you to share this message with somebody. Maybe you got somebody who's close to you but far from God. Uh, here's the point. I want you to pass this around and let this be a simple way to share hope wherever you're at this Christmas season. Let me start with a warm up. We're going to play a game together. The game is called It Wouldn't Be Christmas Without. Now, here's how we're going to play. I'm going to say it wouldn't be Christmas without and then name a category. And then you've got to think about what comes to mind when I bring up that category. So take a deep breath. Fill your mind with merriment. Think of all your favorite traditions and warm fuzzies and things you love to do around Christmas time. Think of your favorite movies and all that stuff because we are about to play our favorite game here at Momentum Online. It wouldn't be Christmas without. Now, don't worry. First round's a warm-up. I'm going to get us through this. If you're on a phone and you can comment on Facebook or uh, in the Instagram chat or, or even on YouTube, just put it in the comment section. You can put your answers there because we love participation, okay? So, number one is this. It wouldn't be Christmas movies without what comes to mind. Go ahead, type it in. Say it to somebody. You're driving in a car. Just say it out loud. Picture the movie. Uh, let me see if I got you correct. Anybody put some Home Alone in there? Watch that one with the kids. That is one of the only old school movies I can get my children to watch other than Charlie Brown's Christmas. Some of you might have said It's a Wonderful Life if you prefer the nostalgia. And that is the definition of the warm fuzzies around Christmas time. Uh, there's always some National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation people and you got... Uh, you got uh, Chevy Chase there decorating the house and everything else that unfolds in that saga. Guys, I'm here to report Die Hard counts as a Christian movie, okay? Uh, as our good friend here, Bitch, just told me, it is about somebody trying to get home for the holidays, and that is the major Christmas movie theme. So this checks out, okay? Uh, let me give you a new one. Let's reset, okay? I want you to think about treats, okay? It wouldn't be Christmas treats without. Think of all the eats, sweets, treats, all the good stuff that you're going to consume this holiday season, all the sweet stuff, maybe the things you're going to bake or make this holiday season, type them into the chat. It wouldn't be Christmas treats without, and you just put your favorite Christmas treat in there. Um, I guarantee you, some of us are candy cane people. It is a fact. The best way to eat a candy cane is to whittle down the end till it's a sharp point and then poke your tongue with it. That's free advice this Christmas for you. Uh, maybe somebody said peppermint mocha or perhaps your favorite Starbucks beverage. They got the creme brulee going on right now, which is delightful. Uh, here, here's mine, guys. I just unapologetically, Christmas means tamales for me. I am going to eat my body weight in tamales after our Christmas service on the night of December 19th. Uh, then finally, there's the Christmas cookies. Now you got an assortment here. Well, you got the gingerbread man, which is a classic, the sugar cookie, the one with the little jam in the middle. I don't know what your treat is. Let me do one more, guys, and then we're going to dive in. It wouldn't be Christmas traditions without. Go ahead. If you're on Facebook, guys, just throw it in the chat. Uh, talk amongst yourselves. Uh, think in your mind of your favorite Christmas tradition what it is for you and your family that makes you feel like Christmas is here. 
Some of us undoubtedly risked our lives putting lights up on the house and decorating it and, and tried to outdo the neighbors perhaps. Maybe you're an elf on the shelf family and you know the, the weight and the pressure that comes along with making sure this little guy is uh, not up to mischief. Sorry if your kids are watching, I don't know. Um, okay, some of you guys are presents the night before people. Your tradition is we have a meal and everyone's there and, and, and we got to open a gift the night before. You guys, that was against God in my family and I'm going to be praying for you sinners this holiday season. I tell you that and we start there because I want to bring to your attention a Christmas tradition that might be loaded with way more meaning than you realize. Chances are, if you didn't set one up yourself, you've seen this holiday season, a nativity scene. Now, the nativity scene has been around for ages. This is thousands of years old. This is actually a picture of an ancient nativity scene. If you look into this one, you can see that it was carved and set up and a part of telling the story of Jesus and the transformation that came into the world through the baby boy. Uh, it's been passed on for generations and generations. And more recently, people have had some creative takes on the nativity. Uh, someone created the dog nativity scene. So all you canine lovers enjoyed that one. Uh, I also saw when I was digging around the Gen Z nativity scene with Mary and Joseph with the latte and the selfie and the, the short pants and the whole thing. Uh, there was also a meat lover's nativity scene. I love meat, but that is disgusting. And then finally, there was the 2020 Christmas scene where everybody had to social distance and they all weighed in on Zoom. Now, if you go back to the regular one for me, I want to show you something that you may not have realized about the original nativity scene. There is a message in here about the meaning of Christmas. Now, you see it when you just take a second and look at all the parties that are present at the original Christmas. Uh, most nativity scenes have the usual players involved. You have the shepherds and the wise men and always baby Jesus in the middle, surrounded by Mary and by Joseph. But you may not know the backstories and the things that these people represent. Did you know that shepherds were the most unimportant people in that culture, in that day. Shepherds would be the modern-day equivalent of restaurant dishwashers who just live paycheck to paycheck, kind of eking out an existence on the periphery of society. The shepherds were actually not allowed to worship. Uh, their, their job and, and things that they were exposed to made them an unclean group of people who casually sat on the outskirts of society and watched the world pass them by. However, when you read the Christmas story, you see that these were the first people that God announced the birth of Jesus to. Think on that. Now, the wise men, you might have heard them called the three kings. That's not exactly who they were. You may have heard the fact that they brought Jesus those gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. But did you know in that culture, any good religious person would have considered these wise men unworthy? They were pagans. 
They were astrologers who worshipped the skies. Foreign people with foreign gods who would not have been considered worthy of the things of God in their day. But however, I want you to think about something. If you remember the story, how did the wise men find Jesus? Well, it was a star in the sky. And if you stop and ask the question, who put the star in the sky for the wise men to follow? You understand the fact that although they were considered unworthy, God wanted them there that night. Oh, and finally, Mary and Joseph. Now, you may have grown up in a tradition where Mary and Joseph were lifted up or Uh, especially Mary, as a matter of fact, and treated with special honor, but do not overestimate or do not overlook the fact that they were so unqualified for the task at hand. These were two little small-town kids. They didn't have much money. We know that when they went to worship and make sacrifices for Jesus, they had to buy this sparrow for their sacrifice because they couldn't afford anything greater. We, We know that they came from a tiny town, They were blue-collar people. And there were two kids who were pledged to be married to one another, but did not have much else figured out. No prestige, no clout, nothing to admire. And yet God chose them to be a part of the story. As unqualified as they may be, God wanted them to be a part of the picture. Now this is where this nativity scene turns incredibly relevant. I've been a pastor, golly, for more than 15, 16 years now. And the more I talk to people, the more I find every single one of us has a genuine longing for the things of God. But often, these three words stand in our way. We feel too unimportant. We go, God's got stuff going on for crying out loud. I mean, we're still in this pandemic. There's wars, there's stuff going on, there's conflict, there's oppression. There's people with worse lives than me. They're busy, I'm busy. I don't know if I'm important enough to make it onto God's list. Some of us feel unworthy. You go, man, it's been a long time since I've been in church and my plan is to get back there eventually, but I just need to clean it up a little first. I, I've got some problems and I want the sins to be gone and the addiction to be gone and the language to change and my life to get a little better before I can go back in the doors of church and actually do the things that I feel like I'm supposed to do right now. I just feel unworthy. And some of us still feel unqualified. We feel like God couldn't actually do something extraordinary with a person like me. But you guys, I'm here to tell you, Christmas is for you. That nativity scene tells us that God sent his son to the world to call to him people who feel unimportant, unworthy and unqualified. That scene is a spiritual picture of what God sent Jesus into the world to do. You think you're too unimportant. You think you're not worthy. You think you aren't qualified to enter into the things God has for you. The Christmas story says, I don't think so. Christmas is for you. Jesus came for you. And you go, well, what did he come to do? You find the answer right there 
chapter 2 of the Christmas story. Luke paints this picture of the shepherds out in the fields. And when I picture it in my mind's eye, I picture these young men out there watching sheep, telling jokes, passing the time through another night watch. And I imagine all of a sudden they felt the wind coming down on top of their heads and the sound of flapping wings above them. And then slowly the night sky seemed to shine brighter and brighter as if somebody was turning up the dimmer switch on some lights to the point where the sky was illuminated and all of a sudden the darkness, it felt like day. And then in Luke 2 verse 8, he tells us what happens. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find the baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. And then suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. There's four phrases in there that says exactly what Jesus wants to do in your life. The first one is Savior. God sent his son as a Savior. Hear me. Not a guru, not a prophet, not a teacher, a Savior. He did not send his son to give you a list of religious duties that you can perform to earn your way into the good, kind love of your heavenly Father. He came to save you from the sin, the fear, and the shame that are holding you back spiritually from the love of your heavenly Father. Get that. Every single one of us is spiritually encumbered by those three things. Sin, fear, and shame. Jesus is a Savior. He didn't come to teach you how to manage those things. He came and He said, when you believe in Me, when you bet your life on Me, when you give me the keys and say, Jesus, you drive, I'll ride. When you give Jesus the pen and say, you write the script for my life. You've got to increase, I've got to decrease. It says a miracle happens when you trust Jesus at that capacity. And supernaturally, the power of sin, shame, and fear are broken in your life in ways that you can never break them yourself. He's a Savior. It also says in that passage, you, you inherit a supernatural peace. Oh, and it's not a peace like you can find in commercials and in the world around you. It's not a peace that's based on nice circumstances and a day at the beach or a nice drive with music playing and the windows down. See, the peace that the earth or the world would offer you is just fleeting. You enjoy it for a moment and then you go right back into the world with all of its pain, its dysfunction, and its hang-ups. The peace that Jesus gives is different. It's a peace that goes with you through the canceled cancer battle, through the miscarriage, through the loss of jobs, through the disappointment, through the words that were spoken to you that still threaten to own you. It's a peace that no one can take from you. 
It says when you trust Jesus, you inherit a great joy. Why do you have great joy? Because he brings purpose to your life. When you step into the kingdom of Jesus, when you believe in him, all of a sudden he fills your life with a whole new purpose in your family and your vocation and your interests and your wiring are all a part of that purpose. And a life marked by purpose is always filled with great joy that is found in Jesus. And finally, in Him, there's favor with God. And that is better than you could ever imagine. I'm here to tell you, yes, in Jesus, you never have to wonder again what God thinks of you. You are securely wrapped in His care, and He sees you in Christ as His beloved child. And the Bible would teach there is nothing that can separate you from that love for life when you've trusted Jesus. So here we go, guys. I want to offer you that. Today, I, I want to propose maybe, just maybe, you didn't tune in online to hear these words by accident. Maybe you're here on purpose. Maybe that thing that's been tugging at your heart for weeks and weeks now has finally tugged you to this place where you could stop trying to do it on your own and believe Jesus instead. I want to offer you the peace, the purpose, and the opportunity to go running back into the loving embrace of the God who made you, who knows you, and who loves you. And here's how you do it. John 1.12 would say these words, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. There's a simple equation in these words. Believe or receive plus believe equals become. To receive Jesus, to say yes to him, to tell Jesus, I trust you and I want what you have. To also believe in him. Believe does not mean acknowledge intellectually. It means to bet your life on him. I trust that he's enough. I trust that he's Lord. I trust him with my life. I trust what he did on the cross is enough for me. It says when you do that, you become a child of God. So I want to offer you the opportunity to do that just right here online. Uh, we call it at Momentum, a make it real with Jesus moment. Make it real moment with Jesus. And what I mean by that is I want to offer you the opportunity to, to take these longings, to take this thing you're hungry for, to, to take this truth, and to make it real in your life right here and right now. I want to offer you the chance right here online to receive and to believe. So to do that, here's what I want you to do. Uh, we're just going to pray together. And I want to offer you the opportunity, wherever you are, to lean back into the care of your Heavenly Father. And to trust Jesus is enough. Let's pray together. And if you want, make these words your own. God and Father, we see you this Christmas season. 
We see your love. We see the way you moved through history to win us back to you. We see that you sent your son. We see that he's Lord. We see that he came as a savior and we need that. We see the peace and the joy and the favor that he offers. And today, Jesus, we're saying yes. I'm saying yes to you. Take my life. Take my heart. Take the pen and write the script for me. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Friends, I don't want to leave you high and dry. I want to tell you that you're not alone. And if you made that moment, if you had your make it real with Jesus moment today, I want to invite you to take a next step with us and just text the word, I said yes, all one word, I said yes, to 619-339-6313. If that was you today, no matter where you're at in the country, no matter how you found this, we'd love to get you some resources to help you journey with Jesus. If you're here locally, we'd love to help you connect to a church family that'll love you, support you, and encourage you. And do all that. All I'm asking you to do is text I said yes to 619-339-6313. That being said, we love you guys. That is it for this year. We will see you in the new year. Peace.